Welcome to the Mortis and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating. <laughs> it's oh, right. there's the word. Take it from the top. And here we go. Welcome to the Mortis and Tenon Magazine podcast, where we're celebrating historic furniture making. This is episode number 21. I'm Mike. And I'm Joshua. And uh, today we are working as we record this podcast. Yep, so you'll hear some some ambient noise, some yeah. scratching, and some... We're working on windows. We got a ton right. of sash windows, as we've you know been saying for a few years now. Yeah. Uh, so we have more, and we're uh, at the glazing easels right now, putting yeah. in some, some old wavy glass. And so we thought uh, we'd talk about some of this process, why we're uh, bothering to reglaze old windows instead of just getting brand new argon-filled double-pane windows. Yep. Um, yeah, what is the point of all this? Because my hands are really covered in putty right now. It's kind of sticky. Isn't yeah. It? Um, so yeah, we thought we'd talk about that and talk about uh, our experience of doing this restoration work, uh, maybe some, some tips and pointers and uh, kind of encouraging you to do the same. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Where do you, we're, we're kind of working here. So it'd be quite, yeah. you know, distracted and disorganized. <laughs> exactly. Um, and also we have this, um, this point driving gun. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, if you've done this before, you've seen when the glazing falls out of the windows, um, there, when the glazing pops off, there are these little metal tabs that hold the glass in place in, in the rabbit and those little points um, you can push them in with a screwdriver, but then there's also this kind um, that you can use a, a little gun to pop them in. Yeah. So you'll be hearing that. It'll be quite loud. Uh, so. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just the, um, uh, right now I have a sash with um, 12 uh, little panes of glass in it. And uh, starting yesterday after lunch, I started and I pulled out all the old glass and I used a, um, a heating tool that we have. It's a speed heater Cobra, and it's an infrared heater, and you aim it at the surfaces and go around, and you can, you know, you point it at a spot of paint, you count to, like, three, and then you can just whisk that paint right off. And we remove all the old glazing um, and anything else on the surface with that and with scrapers, and we get down to the bare wood, we clean out the glazing rabbits. Uh, and then... At that point, we get everything ready to, um, we do any structural repairs needed. Um, some of these sashes are in great shape, and some yeah. of them are in uh, small, a little more beat up shape. Yeah, and these are anywhere from 100 to maybe 150 years old or something like that. I mean, they, they could be older potentially, but yeah. Um, so th they've seen a lot of use. Yeah, um, but and, it's, it really is amazing how yeah. sound they are. Uh, yeah, you would think that's with such little tiny pieces of wood and little tenons uh, facing the brunt of nor'easter storms for 150 years that they would be just destroyed. But they're not at all. They are yeah. super sound. It's awesome. It's uh, a unique thing to think about how many times uh, these have possibly been reglazed over the years. Uh, one of the things that we've seen with doing as many of these sashes as we have is um, uh, interesting repairs. 
and these are mostly probably 20th century repairs that we've seen. Um, we'll occasionally see, um, like one window I did had one of the panes had been broken and uh, instead of replacing the pane, it looked like a piece of plastic had just been stapled on over top. So there were lots of staple holes and little bits of metal all around that were uh, kind of a pain to get out. Um, some other, another one, and Joshua, you've probably had something, you were saying something similar to this, but I had one that was um, apparently the pane of glass broke and they re replaced it and reglazed with uh, what really seemed like epoxy putty. Oh, so man. way more rugged material than the wood itself. And that was a bear to get out. So Joshua is shooting points right now. Yeah. I think he always holds his breath when he does that. Yeah. When you when you do this, you lay the gun on the, on on the, the glass. Board. And you then you shoot this thing into the side of the rabbit. I don't like it. It's stressful, man. It's a little stressful. Um, but honestly, if I was pushing this... Hold on. Pow. If I was pushing this with a screwdriver, I would be just as nervous. Yeah, So because one little slip and you could chip the edge. Or... Yeah. Um, we've had a few of these panes, uh, especially the, the fragile ones, which are, you know the really thin wavy old ones that we really actually want to preserve have occasionally yeah. they'll they'll crack when we do that yeah that is a go, pain in the glass oh no yeah pain in the glass <laughs> oh man but uh, yeah we wanted to talk a little bit about um why we're bothering to do this and it's not just a um like a fixation on old things we're not just uh attempting to resuscitate these these old windows because we want everything around here to be uh, old or period or in keeping uh, historically like that. Uh, though that is part of the equation. Yeah, that's cool. We, we appreciate that. Yeah. But um, I think the thing is, so I would say, um, you know, there are a lot of people that we've connected with that they love um, old houses that say, oh, I got an old house. I've been restoring that or whatever. And it's it's not that uncommon that they say yeah one of the first things i did is i you know i ripped out all those old windows yeah. and put in all new windows and all new great. vinyl windows all new vinyl windows yeah. and so great and really you know restoring this house to the way it should be done and right. i always think oh my goodness you just yeah. ripped out all of these windows and they've been surviving they're happy for 150 years and they're still totally sound and now they're all gone yeah. forever you know they're in a dump um and so it's just such a, a sad thing when that happens. Um, and so it's interesting to me that, you know, the, the windows we are working on are, you know, this old, 150 years. And we're... Handmade. Yeah, handmade. We're, we're working on them right now to put glazing together, to put them in brand new buildings that we're working on. Yeah. And they're going to live for another, whatever, 100 yeah. years if they're cared for. So. <laughs> yeah, so one of the things that we talk about is... When you consider the equation of, let's say, uh, efficiency or even cost efficiency, right? Because this is, this is not a little bit of work. These, these take some time to do. Um, if you're looking in terms of just like, okay, I want my house to be warm, so I'm going to put in new windows. Um, there have been a number of, of studies done and um, papers written about this. The fact that um, 
well-glazed uh, old sash windows like these in conjunction with a like a single pane storm window applied to the outside are just about as insulative as a brand new high-tech engineered window um, and in in every way you know that you can compare them side side by side and they they really measure up well these old windows um, the the kicker is though to me that those old, those uh, new gas filled windows are going to need replaced every thirty years, right? Yeah, whatever the so your ends. Uh, your your windows will fog up in between. You'll go, oh well, that's the end of that one, and um, it's time to haul those windows out and send them to the landfill, and so you can buy more windows to put in every thirty years. And these particular windows, like I said, who knows how many times they've been reglazed over their lifetime. But once the old glazing uh, wears out, you just pull them out and replace it and put them back in. And so the windows, you know, stay with the house. Right. So and that, we, that's a uh, compelling point in my mind. Yeah. And I think the thing is, so we got all of these old windows from antique dealers. Um, one guy primarily that who, you know, people are doing this. They're ripping all the windows out of their houses. And so he's swoops in and says hey i'll buy the lot off of you yeah and so you know it's it's a mixed thing that people are ripping them out yeah. and so that, that's tragic but for those of you that are building new places like we are yeah. there is a market for these yeah. they are around you, you can, can get, get them, them for you know 10 12 maybe sometimes less if you buy a bunch 12 bucks a sash or something yeah. i mean like that's that. yeah that's mid-coast maine i don't know about yeah. other places but this is the the pinnacle of places to live if you want to buy old stuff, <laughs> antique stuff, and uh, useful, beautiful things. You need yeah. to move to Maine. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so the one of the things about a, about these old windows that really draws me in is the waviness of the glass. Yeah. Um, if you've ever been to a historic house, or um, or seen pictures of these old windows, you'll see it almost like some of them can be, like you look through the window and it's not just a straight shot. It makes the outside look a little bit distorted. And you look at and you see all these waves and sometimes there are air bubbles in the glass and different really cool, beautiful, interesting patterns um, that are just an artifact of that process, whether it's uh, cylinder glass or earlier handmade, uh, hand-blown glass. Um, they all have this wavy pattern. In fact, um, my cottage at my house, I put in a bunch of windows that were, they were, the house was built in 1911 and the windows appear to be original to it. Um, and all of that class is all wavy. So even in 1911, the, the whole, the world looked wavy <laughs> when right. you looked from inside, from inside to outside. The house. And that really, you know, that super, super clear glass that we're all used to now just nobody saw that um and so it's just a really interesting effect um and our shop is uh slowly filling up with these windows and all the we're other we're replacing the the plastic that has been you know on the south side of this this shop uh we've had to replace the plastic once because it it gets it's been... fragile right it lasts a year and then it's uh it crumbles at the slightest touch yeah 
Um, so we have been, um, as we've had time, you know, mostly between issues of the magazine, we will tackle a few windows and we'll do a, you know, some restorations of the sashes and then build um, double hung window cases out of these sashes and then uh, install the windows. So it's, it is a really fun process. We were just talking about that. This is not like a, a boring, monotonous task, especially since we're, we're breaking it up as we are. Yeah. Um, but we, we've both really enjoyed doing it. Yeah. I mean, I think I did have, I mean, anytime you feel like or you say you're going to tackle some, you know, project that's a long-term project, you always get someone or a handful of people that are saying, oh man, that's so terrible. I did that once. I'm never going to do that again or something. So right. we definitely got some of that, uh, when we said we were going to be working on these windows. Um, but I just, I just really do not feel that way. I, yeah. I enjoy this process. It's quite fun. And the other thing about it um, is it's one of those tasks that is, honestly, it's pretty easy. It doesn't require yeah, right. uh, any specialized skill, really, um, to pull out old glazing and even to do little tiny wood patches. I mean, it's really basic stuff. Um and so it doesn't, you know, anyone can do this kind of work. And so what that also means is it's, it is really quite meditative. It's doesn't demand a ton of attention and stress. It's you can do just, podcasts. You can do podcasts while you're, while you're glazing. Um, and Mike and I just, when we do this, we always just have long conversations all day long yeah. about, you know, what? Planning issue 11. Planning issue 11. Or we talk about you know some of the the crazier philosophical or uh quantum mechanics quantum mechanics you know different things we should talk about schrodinger's cat (laughs) no i'm just kidding yeah Um, right exactly so yeah i mean it's it's really a great uh it's sort of like hewing or digging a hole or you know doing farm work with friends that it's really pretty mindless and so it's wonderfully mindless because you are able to have interactions with people i really do think if i was all by myself yeah probably this would not be uh fun to do for months on end right for weeks on end or whatever um but if you break it up and you have a buddy to to work with or something or or a spouse who likes to do the same work um it's quite enjoyable yeah it totally is um and honestly i the finished product um, is really beautiful. Like the windows here at the shop, I, um, you know, sometimes we'll just stop and look at them because, you know, it's this this great combination of this this old wood that we have, um, you know, scraped back to bare. And on the, um, we we're going to paint the exterior of these windows, right? That's the plan. <laughs> uh, yeah, eventually. But the interior, we're just going to leave the bare wood. Um, and it's really beautiful to see that old surface. And then, um, you know, from the outside, you have this uh, new glazing and this beautiful, clean, wavy glass that has just this, some of the some of the um, panes have this, like, slight bluish tint. Yeah. Um, and it's a really neat combination. Um, and so I just... You know, doing this work, I, I tend to think a lot about um, just the miles of um, 
muttons that were planed out, you know, all these pieces of these uh, window sashes that had to be made by hand for every window that was ever made prior to uh, the last century. Um, just how these were all made by hand and built and how, you know, glass was such a valuable commodity early on and then became more common, but still was uh, much more highly valued than, than we look at something as simple as glass today. Um, but all these windows, you know, were made by some careful craftsmen. And uh, it's really a, a valuable thing, I think, to, to do our best to try and preserve that. Yeah. Um, we were also talking about, um, in terms of, it, you were talking about energy efficiency earlier, right? Mike, and um, I was thinking about the, I guess the local sourcing yeah. aspect to it because, so I just picked up a wood stove from my cottage. Um, and the thing I love about heating with wood is that it's, you know, if you have a wood lot, you can source it yourself or you can have a, a local uh, forestry team or whatever. You can get some logs from someone else. I burn, I just get log length firewood and burn that. Um, and so if you have uh, good insulation and, and you're not needing to burn 13 cords a year right. or whatever, uh, if you have good insulation and you have a good wood stove, um, it's a really great way to have everything local. So you think about um, these these wooden windows that have glass in them, and then this this linseed oil putty. Yep. And that's it. Yep. That's, that's the whole what's window. separating There's... you from the the elements, the blizzard outside. Yeah. So if you have like so for um, my house that my wife and I will be uh, restoring, putting up. Uh, in the near future, um, there is a big central chimney in that house. Um, and we will plan to rebuild that central chimney, but we would like to also in incorporate into it a masonry heater. So it's this long, slow burning. So it's a lot less wood usage, but it also radiates with this, um, this central mass out from the center of the house. So, you know, coupling that local sourcing of a little bit of wood with these simple windows. It's just, to me, that's like the sweet spot for using um, historic, ingenious, clever technology that is totally locally sourced. Um, I mean, if, you're, if you are thinking in terms of what is a green way to build, right? I can't think of anything more green. Yeah. I mean, the, the alternative is, you know, people buying every 30 or 40 years or whatever, buying, yep. you know, green certified lumber with argon gas filled right triple pane whatever yeah. the heck they're doing now uh, and constantly replacing that stuff yep um you probably have to plug them in to your solar array yeah. to make them work i mean who yeah. it's just crazy to me that's yeah doesn't really make sense um so i just this is a really exciting thing to me to be working on these old windows um seeing the simplicity and, and the efficiency in the big picture right and there's no way to control the tint level of these windows with your iPhone. <laughs> you can't do it. Right. So, uh, and that's a beautiful thing. But um, one of the, you know, some of the um, interesting accents that you can do with these old windows, um, you know, here in the shop, 
you tracked down a, a big old um, arch transom window. Was that from the same place there in, yep. in Searsport? So I know it's not a good idea to give away like the super secret yeah, places. Yeah, so don't. So I, I guess I won't. But there's a place that's on the there coast. There's a place somewhere. Down the coast from us, and it is a, a treasure trove of uh, these old windows and uh, good prices. And you can usually count on going in there and uh, just finding all kinds of stuff. Um, you can't really go in with a list, but we have gone in there with a list. We're like, we need this many sash windows uh, of this size, and we got all of them yep. and loaded up the van. And uh, they were a good price. But you found that um, arch transom window, yep. which we built a case for and installed upstairs. That didn't actually even need restoration, right? Right. The, all the glazing was sound. Everything was uh, solid in it. Um, and so now one of the things we're doing for your cottage is we are taking um, two, uh, two old sashes um, and a, an arched window, and we're making basically a, a picture window out of those three um, separate windows. And so this big, uh, this big central arched window has this one piece of glass that is a little bit... Yeah, it's quite big and... Uh, frightening. <laughs> but um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look really neat. And these are the kinds of things that you have uh, options with. You can be creative about using these, these windows. Um, one of the things I, I remember struck me um, the first time, Joshua, that you brought me through the Jonathan Fisher house in Blue Hill was the fact that you know, in, in certain dark corners in the, the attic stairway, there's in the corner this tiny little just pane of glass, a tiny little window put in there. From the outside of the house, you either wouldn't notice it or go, huh, that's yeah, what is that a like little tiny window. 14 there. by 14. Yeah, or some yeah, little tiny, tiny window. But, I mean, obviously, it makes perfect sense. Where you need light, you put a window. And so the... Um, it is much less of a, or it was much less of a standardized thing than today's, uh, you know, the formulas for, for windows and sizing and everything. You just, if you need a little bit of light back here, you put a little window in. <laughs> if you want more light here, you put a bigger window in. Yeah. Um, That's pretty fun. That's it's, fun. it's, uh, there are definitely some creative possibilities. Yeah. we got to get into sash making someday. Yeah. We're going to have to tackle that one. I, I have not done sash making, but no. But do we do we know anyone who's done sash making before? Well, Roy. Yeah. Um, and Ted Ingram is big into sash making. Um, yeah, there are others. The joinery shop. Yeah, know, right. Williamsburg. In Williamsburg. So that would be uh, Peter Hudson. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. There's so much to this, and uh, making a window sash is—it's uh, all the basics. It's mortise and tenon joinery. It's cutting molding essentially. Um, in uh, in the next issue, we um, we had um, our friend uh, Steve wrote an article about uh, Caesar Cheller, who is um, possibly the most prolific 
American plane maker of the 18th century. And uh, he either invented or perfected, probably invented, right? The stick and rabbit plane. Yeah, I, I don't know for sure. I think probably is a good word. Probably yeah. invented. Um, which which cut both the profile and the rabbit at the same time. Um, because in America, what was needed was a lot of windows really fast. And so he invented this plane that did two, two jobs at once and uh, really kind of revolutionized sash making, uh, at, at least in um, northeastern U.S. and in New England. But um, I don't know. It's a, a fascinating thing to work on these old windows. Um, one of the things that I learned that flip my sash real quick he's gonna flip the sash oh you are no go ahead okay you're good i'll go first um my neighbor who worked on a bunch of old windows for his house he was talking about um he told me that there's this this speed heater this um, infrared gun and how important it was how valuable it was to him uh to be able to strip all the paint actually he did he was stripping not just the paint for the windows but all of the paint for an entire house all the trim and everything so he had a lot of it Uh um but yeah this infrared gun is so great because it's it's just the right amount of heat uh right type of heat to uh let the putty uh release but it's pretty gentle on the glass um you can crack the glass with it but it's a really uh handy gun to be able to uh, to do this kind of work and we actually i have the um speed heater cobra uh which is this it's smaller but in, i mean in my judgment it's way faster it's mm. super fast yeah so in conjunction with the scraper it's great because you can just put the heat right on it and just use the scraper to pull the paint down yeah um so it's not like um you know because we're dealing with lead paint here it's not like there's lead dust everywhere it's right. just you're like peeling it off it's just it just yeah just piles off to the table so you can just you know sweep it up um so it's a really great way to go it's super fast um it makes a great grilled cheese sandwich (laughs) it does you you make a little like a ham and cheese sandwich and you bring it in and it'll melt your cheese and get it all bubbly in in seconds (laughs) uh it's amazing I'll take your word for it. Yeah, the fast food restaurants should really take notice. And isn't lead, doesn't it give like a sweet flavor to Yeah, lead tastes delicious uh, <laughs> on a, a good, like a, a German oh boy. salami. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, um, I was talking to a friend who's also a professional painter, and he had heard of the use of um, a pizza oven to do sashes. So you bring it up to temperature, and you put... He said he, he thought he remembered um, putting like a pan of water in it. And then you put the whole sash in the pizza oven for a little while. And when it comes out, Ding. you know, it's all dripping wet and everything. Like you can take all the um, panes of glass right out. The glazing is just mush and the paint just basically falls right off. And I think if you were doing this, you know, professionally and doing a lot of it, that sounds like uh, an interesting option to explore. Yeah, I would want to try that because I wonder what that does to the wood. Yeah, you know, I exactly. Wonder, I mean, I guess so. It's interesting. So the um, the windows, the nineteen eleven windows uh, that I'm putting in my cottage, it's quite phenomenal how bad the wood is. Mm-hmm. 
there are you would think like you only <laughs> need these phenomenal that's a good one yeah there um you only need these little tiny sticks of wood right so it should be pretty easy to get like super yeah. clear stock but these are like full of huge crazy knots yeah and it, and you know swirling grain and stuff and it makes me think about like you know what is that what would that wood <clears throat> what would the wood, what beha- would the wood behave like if it was put in that kind of situation yeah um, but it's amazing because they they still actually i got those windows uh, in the the whole entire case they pulled all of yeah. that out of the the um it the still house. had the weights in there right um everything but the weights oh they the cut weights the were weights. cut off right um so they but they still slid great so it's, it's actually interesting to me to think of this totally subpar wood as window stock right it's just crazy um but i don't know if you steamed it like that if it would work right, out if it would stay stay put it's always worth uh doing the experiment you know yeah um, we're uh, definitely we've been monitoring the windows that we did a few years ago and uh, just watching them age and it's an interesting thing because since we're doing only a few windows every few months, we can see like, here's the newest, and this is three months old, and this is six yeah. months old. The last window we do, we're really gonna have this dialed in. Yeah, we will be extremely professional by that point. But you're right, this is it's really meditative, and it's got, there's like a lot of uh, bang for your buck, you might say, in when you when you do the final smoothing on um on some glazing it, it's kind of like you know like cake decorating or something you get a nice smooth straight line and you pull the tool away and you step back and you go all right that's done that's yeah. great so maybe we should describe the process for those who haven't glazed a window yeah okay um so i'll start with uh let's say you have an empty sash uh, no glass in it it's all been cleaned up it's all ready to go you're ready to start putting the glass back in so we set them up on a glazing easel which is basically what it sounds like it's an easel it gets the window sash up at waist to eye level um, so it's a comfortable height for doing this and uh, we then would take a good um, make a little ball I would say, like, how big do you get? Like a small apple size? <clears throat> yeah, smaller, that, that's a good small description. Apple. Small apple. <laughs> um, we're using this uh, Sarco Type M. Um, it's kind of the the go-to, kind of the benchmark for quality um, glaze. It's for shop glaze. It's like shop glaze, so it's it's like a traditional linseed oil putty, as I understand it, except that it's formulated to be done indoors right so you can't just stick it out um but it dries in a few days as opposed to a few weeks right like the other stuff so what you do is you um you have the place where your pane of glass goes uh there's around the edge of it is what's called a glazing rabbit and it's just this this little depression that the the pane of glass just sits right in so you um first you pack the rabbit with your little apple sized chunk of uh, glazing compound you take a little sliver i just use my thumb for that step i don't use yeah. a tool and i just um take a little sliver and i i pack it in the rabbit and i just work my way around one thumb load at a time until i've gone all the way around and i have this little bead where the glass will go then you take your pane of glass 
and you sit it in and you gently press it into that um, that bead all the way around until you can you can see it all smushing out and squishing as you push it all the way down basically to to bottom uh, in that glazing rabbit. Yeah, At almost that point, to bottom. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, you want that little cushion of, of glazing underneath it. And so then at that point you get the gun and you shoot. For most of these we're doing four points, one in each side. Um, and then you can walk away, like it's, it's there. It's not going anywhere. Um, do you want to take it from here, what, what yeah. you do next? So then once the, once the glass has uh, got the points secured, the glass is not going to go anywhere. Um, then you take, an, you take the rest of your glazing uh, compound and I sort of roll it into a sort of into this long snake kind of thing and then use my thumb to push it in. So you're just pushing on top of the glass uh, and it's enough material because that, so that you will take, um, I have like a five in one tool that I use but there are different putty knives that you just need a clean edge that you can run down so that you create that bevel. If you can picture an old window, you have the putty on the outside at this angle, this bevel. Yeah. Um, and so you're just using the putty knife to shape it to that angle. And I've definitely found that to get a nice clean, especially if it's new, like right now I have in my hand this super sticky stuff, Yeah. brand new. Um, if you want to not have it tear and kind of crumble, you have to bring the knife at a really low angle. Yeah. If you have it at a high angle, it's just going to rip. Um, and you just got to push it back in. So keep it at a low angle and you work your way around all four edges. And then where they meet, you, you try to get this nice crisp line where they, the putty joins the sides, the top, and the top to the other side and the bottom. And yeah. um, So you try to make it look nice. Um, and then what will also happen is you'll see the edge that runs down onto the glass often there'll be a it's not a totally perfectly straight line if you're anything like me <laughs> so or me. um so the way that i deal with it then is i i just stand my putty knife with the edge down on the glass and i just kind of tap it where it's a little proud just kind of push it in and straighten that line and then you can go back and forth and you can rub down with the knife and just kind of clean it up so it's really Push the goo in and use the putty knife yeah. to make the angle you want. And the goo seals the glass. That's pretty much it. Um, and then what you'll have, once that's all done, once you've done all six panes, say, as this sash here, then on, um, on the inside of the glass, the opposite of the glass side that you're working, um, all of the squeeze out, all the extra uh, glazing compound that's squeezed out, you're going to want to just, you know, use the knife, the putty knife to just ball that all up take it up and you can put it back in the tub for the next window yep so and so that's just that's just uh the basics of the of the steps of getting a a piece of glass in let's talk for a minute about uh cutting glass your your oh, personal favorite goodness <laughs> uh, especially so i will say that i think that a modern very regular predictable glass is probably it's kind of boring to cut, right? There's no action involved. Yeah. It's not... There's no risk. It's not... Yeah, the risk is just taken <laughs> out of the equation, and that makes it dull. Uh, when you have this stuff, and it has, say, air bubbles or pockets or waves, like ripples that you can feel 
easily when you run your hand over it. Yeah. Um, That's or, fun. Or when some of it, like the, uh, let's say the, the variability in thickness is quite outside of what modern sensibilities or machines could allow. Um, so some of it is quite thin and quite fragile, and we have sometimes had to uh, cut pieces of glass because a lot of these sashes come with multiple broken panes. And so we have to replace those. Which is tip, by the way. Yes. Buy, pro I would, at 20%. least at least 30%, 30% more window than you need for your project. Yeah. Because not only will are the sashes you buy, do they you know have broken panes, but also you're going to have to replace some. And then you'll... You'll learn, oh, how hard this is to cut glass. So right. you're going to be like, oh, shoot, I just broke that. Yeah. Try another one. Oh, shoot. So uh, you kind of have to try this. So have more than enough uh, glass source yes. to, to pull from. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing is uh, this wavy glass, if you uh, reglaze um, and hang and install a, a double hung window out of this wavy glass. Say your kid uh, hits a baseball through one, uh, through one of the panes. You go to your local glass store, you spend six bucks, you get a new piece of glass cut. You put it in and everyone will notice that new glass yeah, in so the midst weird. of the wavy glass. It looks bizarre, honestly. Uh, it has no texture to it, which is a funny thing to say about glass, but... Um, you know, some of the panes that we've gotten, some of the sashes have new panes or panes that have been replaced in the 20th century. Yep. And we say, whoa, that one's got to go. Yeah. And so we've got to source, find a piece of old glass from one of our um, our backup sashes that we have so that we can replace that and have a uniform looking window. Yeah, it's pretty striking how different it is. Yep. So um, just today, Joshua had to cut a piece of glass. Uh, what was that like? Like 24 by 24 or something? By 20, <clears throat> 27. It was a, a large piece of glass. So he has um, some windows for the cottage that are uh, a single pane for the lower sash, and then the upper sash is uh, six panes. Yeah, so six over one. Right. Yep. And so in this particular window... But it's all old wavy glass. It's yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's pretty neat looking. Um, in this particular one, the lower sash had... Uh, or the lower pane had broken or was chipped or cracked or something. Yeah, I just didn't have enough solid. I'm gonna shoot here. Solid uh, pieces of like, so if you have six panes and you break one, you still have five of the six. Right. But if you have one big yeah. pane and you get a crack in it, you now have zero. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little stressful. So, uh, Joshua was uh, wanting to cut this piece, and so he did some <clears throat> some practice cuts. And uh, let's see, some some good glass cutting tips. So you use one of those little um, one of those little glass cutters with the hard, like the little carbide wheel or wh whatever it is. Yeah. You should definitely keep it oiled. You want to be dipping that wheel in oil. You want to keep it oiled uh, as you're using it. If you have a long cut, you know, dip it in oil before and after. Um, and so you, you cut along a straight edge. So you were just using a, a straight piece of one by pine. Yeah. Um, you establish your measurements and then, uh, you want to apply 
a decent amount of pressure to it. Uh, you, you're cutting your piece of glass on a nice flat surface, so you don't have any une unevenness as you're pressing down. You don't want to worry about cracking the, the pane. But um, I always push down with my thumb, and you just take one pass. I think early on, a couple of panes that we were trying to cut, we were like moving the cutter back and forth fast and scribing over and over and over, and it wasn't that working. Will not work. It was just breaking everywhere but the line. So one pass, and then you run it off the table and you tap it, and it breaks perfectly and cleanly right along the right along the scored line. Uh, it's really amazing. Uh, yeah, it is nerve wracking to do. Yeah. Um, wear safety glasses. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's nerve-wracking you do, especially if you have a big piece or some valuable glass that you realize I only have X number of pieces of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's if you're going to work on these windows, you got to just do it. You got to just try it. Um, and you got to... The thing that I found is if you go too light with the cutter, it doesn't really sound like much. You won't hear anything when it's running. And it will not be enough and it won't break on that spot. Uh, if you go too hard, it'll sound like grinding. Like <laughs> That's way too hard. Um, somewhere in the middle. So what you want is, I mean, it almost sounds like, I don't know, a zipper or something. It's like zzz, the solid zipper type sound. So you want to hear it making um, this. You can imagine if you had a little tiny wheel that was scratching glass. Right. Um, what that would be like and you roll that all the way across you want to hear that the whole length of the the yeah, scrum, you don't want the... a light area exactly um so that i mean when you do it too light you can't just keep doing six light passes right. that doesn't work it uh, it will not break on that spot so um you want to be committed and have one good solid pass and then all you do is you then grab that outer edge the the waist piece and you just turn it down and it'll break right along that line yeah it's pretty amazing yeah uh i um i'm always amazed uh thinking about um you know stained glass windows and the work involved and putting one of those together uh, especially in some of the uh, much older stained glass windows in like uh, europe um our friend uh, Hugo does um, restoration of stained glass windows. He's up in uh, Quebec. And that kind of uh, artisanship is, is just amazing to me. That's, that's a different realm of, uh, and especially in a medium that just makes me nervous to handle, you know? <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really amazing. It's cool to, to work with glass and cut glass. And uh, there are some incredible glass artists out there. But uh, yeah, all this stuff's just made out of sand. What else? Anything else to talk about? I don't know. Maybe not right now. This is the the uh, sash window. Oh, maybe just one resource for you. Um, we didn't know how to do this stuff, and right. so we were trying to figure it out. Um, and the the source that we kept going back to was a guy named John Leak. Yeah. L E E K E. It's a great name for somebody who works on Windows. <laughs> oh, that's good. John Leak. Um, but so he's got a book, uh, Saving um, Preserving. What is it? It's right over here. Hang on. He's got a website. Save America's Windows. Save America's Windows. That's the name of the book. 
Um, and you can order his book from his website. He's also got a YouTube channel with very detailed, long videos showing you how to do all this stuff. Um, so we highly recommend Leaks Information. Um, he's been doing this for a long time, and he's got a lot of experience with a ton of different windows. So um, he also has a forum that on his website, so people who are working in their houses can ask questions. And I'm pretty sure everything has been asked by this point. Yes. So, so if it's, you have it's a, a great question. Resource you can find the answer there so, for sure yeah but i think i think that's it um yeah. if you have any questions about sash windows feel free to you know put a message there we'll see what we can do to answer that or, or we'll direct send you, you over to, to john Leake's or we'll forum. say hey i told you to check yeah. out john leak <laughs> because right. he's got all the information but uh thanks for listening to the mortis and tenon podcast uh if you haven't already you can subscribe at uh, iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, just send them in a message below. Thanks a lot. See you next time.